Thanks for joining us here today at Emmanuel, where we're one church with multiple locations. In a few moments, you're going to hear practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is relevant and inspiring to your life. If this service blesses you and you'd like to give financially, you can go to eclife.org, click Give, and choose Online Viewer as your campus. Thank you, and get ready for a life-changing message. Well, good morning, church. How are you feeling today? It is so good to be here with you today. Um, we are wrapping up a series called The Brand, and, here, and in just a few moments I'm going to get into that. Uh, but I just wanted to say welcome first, uh, first of all to all of our first-time guests. Can we give it up for our first-time guests here? We welcome you. Maybe you're here today to watch someone get baptized. Maybe you're here today because someone has begged you to come and you just want them to stop begging, and so you said yes. Uh, so either way, uh, we, uh, maybe you're just driving by and you saw us on, you know, on the side of the road. You say, hey, I want to stop there for church. Uh, either way, we welcome you. If you're watching us live online right now, hey, we welcome you. Can we welcome our online audience right now? Those of you watching, in we, have, we have literally people watching all over the world in different countries. It's amazing to see that happening all across the United States and then people locally right here that are in their pajamas watching from their bedrooms. We welcome you. Awesome. Get dressed and come out to see us sometime. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we welcome everyone. And so we're in, a, we're in a series called Brand. I'm going to wrap that up. But before we do that, I want to tell you, two weeks ago I was in uh, Cartagena, Colombia. Amazing trip I went on with the, some of my friends, uh, Rick Johnson. Uh, some of you know Rick. He uh, leads up the ministry there in Cartagena. I went with Fabian uh, Puelo, his son-in-law. Also went with Mike Milhoff, great guy in the church here. And then I took my son, Andrew, as well. We went down there. He's 16 years old. That was sort of his, part of his birthday present. He just turned 16. We went to Cartagena just to see the ministry. He hadn't been there for seven years, okay? Seven years ago when I went, it was hardly a ministry. I mean, it was a church for sure, but the, the pastor there, his name was Pastor Angel, he was a full-time police officer for the Columbian Police Department. So he was serving in his, uh, as pastor in his spare time. And so we went down there, and I didn't really know what we were getting into. We really didn't even have a partnership at that time, sort of. Uh, and then uh, we, we just kind of, as the years went by, we decided to invest in Pastor Angel and the church there. Seven years later, fast forward, I can't tell you the whole story because it's too, too detailed, uh, we went there. There are now, basically, there are now four locations, okay, similar to what we're doing, multi-site, and they, they have services on Thursday nights at each one of these locations. Each location has a pastor, and then on Sundays, they get together as one church like we do, sort of, and they have a big, giant service, and uh, God is reaching literally 300, 350 people every single week in Cartagena, Colombia. It's amazing. I want, to see, I want to show you a picture of, of uh, me and, and some of the leaders. This is, this is, you know who the tall white guy is, right? <laughs> the funny thing is, I'm half, I'm half Puerto Rican. Do I look half Puerto Rican in this picture? Not at all. Anyway, uh, but then that, this is Pastor Angel, and this is his leadership team, his pastors. They are phenomenal people. You notice what they're wearing? The brand, the brand, I love it. See, our brand has gone international. It's fantastic. And so that's their leadership team. And when we got there, I'll tell you a quick little story. We got there, we got off the plane, and they wanted to really honor us and, as we got off the plane. So what they did was they rented a party bus, okay? Now, typically party buses in Colombia are driving around town, and there's people, you know, yelling and screaming and dancing and singing and drinking. And that wasn't really going or the drinking. It was everything but the drinking. And so we pull up the airport. They're outside. They're screaming. They're hot and they're singing, and they have this banner. It's an unbelievable banner. I'm going to get some help here from Kelsey. He's going to help. I want to just show you what, what we drove up to at the airport. This is absolutely fantastic. Look at this. 
This is what, this was on the bus. This is coming off the airport. Is that not amazing? Welcome, Pastor Danny. Thank you for everything. Notice, notice the brand there, and that's, that's their brand over there. It's a little complicated, but we're working with it. <laughs> but listen, when I, when I saw this, you know, I, I started to cry, and, and I thought to myself, that shouldn't say Danny, that should say, that should say Emmanuel. Because if you give anything financially here, a portion of every dollar goes to Exodo Church to support their ministries there. We are their sole supporter. They have no other financial support but Emmanuel. And so the thank you is really to all of you guys. Can you give yourself a hand? Give yourself a hand. And I'll thank you, Kels. And thank you to Rick Johnson and his team that just uh, faithfully have been serving there for the last seven years. God is bearing lots and lots of fruit. Uh, so today, we're going to wrap up this series called The Brand. What we've said a brand is, basically it's a symbol or an image that separates one company from another or separates one product from a different product. And we like that definition, but what we also said is that it leaves out the portion of emotion. And the reason we buy certain brands is because a brand makes us feel a certain way, right? A brand makes us feel, I don't know, more important if we have a certain car that's a certain brand or a certain purse that's a certain brand. I know, ladies, purses are big things for you. It's another reason I don't, I'm glad I'm not a woman, but, you know, women love purses. Anyway, guys love other things. Okay, okay, stupid comment. Um, <laughs> But, but we, we buy certain brands because they make us feel a certain way, and then there's loyalty to that brand. And so we've been talking about that, and we've basically tried to, the last four weeks, three weeks, we've talked about what does our brand stand for? In week one, we talked about how it stands for grace, that God accepts you just as you are, but it also stands for transformation. He has no intention of leaving you there. Week two, we talked about PKI, personal kingdom impact, that God has given you a gift. When you put the shirt on, you're saying, listen, I am gifted, I have a skill set, and I'm going to use it to make an impact for his kingdom. And last week, the, the campus pastor spoke, and Matt spoke, and Bill spoke, and Greg spoke at their campuses, and they talked about unity. They talked about community. They talked about how community gives us wisdom, and it builds credibility for the message. Didn't our campus pastors do a great job last week? Awesome. Appreciate Matt for doing that. And so today, what, what is this? We're going to close this out and talk one more time about what the brand stands for. In your notes, if you're a note taker, the brand stands for Relentless Pursuit. Relentless Pursuit. Now, if you've been here for a while, you kind of know what that means, but if you're new, fairly new, maybe you haven't heard about it, let me explain what this means, Relentless Pursuit. Here's the deal. In our world today, in our community today, I don't know if you've noticed this, but people are languishing everywhere. Today, people are languishing. I, I, li I like that word. I think it, descri it describes our world today. It describes people's individual lives today. When I look around, I see people losing vitality. I see them drooping. I see them giving up. I see, 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 to languish means literally to slowly fade, to lose energy, to lose life. You could use it in a sentence like this. The prisoner was languishing in prison. All of his gifts, all of his skills, all of his strength, they're all going to nothing because he's caught in prison. He's trapped. He's locked up in prison. People are languishing everywhere today. Everywhere I look, I see people languishing. Languishing in depression, languishing in anger, trapped in lust, perpetual lustful behavior, languishing that way. Languishing by chasing after money and material possessions, thinking that if they, if they just accumulate more and more and more, they'll be happy. They're languishing languishing all over the place, basically losing life, not living the life that God has created them to live. You know, Jesus was preaching and teaching one day, and he was, 
he was healing and he was presenting the opportunity for people to come into the kingdom in Matthew chapter 9. And I want you to see what happens in Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see what it says. It says, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the people, individual lives, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, what this word compassion is, is the Greek word. It stands for uh, the inner parts or the, back in those days they would say the bowels. Okay? That's, that was the seat of love, the insides of a person. Today we would call it what? I love you with all my, back then they'd say, I love you with all my bowels, which is a little weird, okay? But it literally means that Jesus was moved in his bowels. Now, of course, the English writers don't say that because today, you know, that's, that would be awkward. Jesus had a bowel movement. That would be weird. We don't want to say that. So, so it's, it's instead, they use the word compassion. It means to be moved in the heart. If you're taking notes, here's what I want you to see, that it breaks God's heart to see people languishing. He looked at the crowds and he saw they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Well, what is a sheep without a shepherd? A sheep without a shepherd is lost. They wander into places that are not safe for them where they can be eaten by wolves or some other prey. They don't know how to find the appropriate food or water for themselves because sheep just, they don't have that intuitive ability. They need a shepherd to guide them. A sheep without a shepherd is languishing. They don't know their way. Jesus looked out at individual people and he said, oh, they're like sheep without a shepherd. It breaks my heart. And that's why Jesus came into the world. Jesus came into the world to, to prevent people from languishing. A lot of people think that the gospel is simply this, that Jesus came into the world to die on a cross and three days later to rise again so that you and I could put our faith in him so we can go to heaven when we die. And the gospel has been reduced down to that simple mental ascent to some theological fact that happened in history. And yes, it's true. Jesus' death and resurrection does deal with our eternal destiny. That's absolutely true, and I'm glad for it, aren't you? I'd rather go there than the other place. However, when Jesus would talk about why he came into the world, he wouldn't say things like, hey guys, I'm about to go die on a cross. I'm gonna rise again, put your faith in me so that you can go to heaven when you die. That's not how he presented it. That was the way he made it possible for you and I to enter into something called abundant life. Listen to what he said in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief's purpose, the devil's purpose, those who work for him are, are here to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, my mission statement, the reason I came into this world is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Other translations would say an abundant life. The, the word abundant means an overflowing life, a, a rich and satisfying life, life to the full, life to the max. That's why I came into this world, to prevent people from languishing in this life. What does that look like? What does the abundant life look like? Jesus said, he, he would describe it, he, he, would, he would talk about joy. He said, I came that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. He said, I, I've come to give you peace, not like the world has it, but, but a different kind of peace that's not connected to your circumstances. We're talking about joy, we're talking about peace. We're talking about love, the ability to look at someone who's offended you and forgive them because you love them. Oh, that's another life. That's a different quality of life. Jesus, would, Jesus came to give us a life where a victory where we can live above anger. It's possible for you to live without anger. It's possible for you, if you're stepping into the abundant life, to live without anxiety. Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be sweet? Wouldn't that be something to have no fear and no worry, constantly consuming your life and robbing you from, from having joy and peace? Jesus said that's possible. That's what the abundant life looks like. 
Does it include heaven when you die? Oh, yes, it does. But it also includes an amazing quality of life right now, rich and satisfying life. One of those who follow Jesus closely, John the Apostle, he wrote about it this way in John chapter 1, verse 4. He said, look, in Jesus was Zoe. That's what that word is, Zoe. It's, it's physical life and it's spiritual life. It's life from another realm. It's, it's one thing to be alive physically. It's another thing to be alive spiritually. In Jesus was both physical life and spiritual life. And that life, that Zoe, watch this, was the light of mankind. Wow, what does that mean? It simply means that Jesus, when he enters into your life, he shines a light out and he shows us how to live. See, it's one thing to exist physically. It's another thing to know how to live your life. That's what a light does in the midst of darkness. Would you agree with me? We live in a dark world today. So dark. So dark that it's scary. Jesus says, John says, in him was life and that life was the light of mankind. Jesus comes in and he says, I'm going to show you, if you would follow my ways, if you would take my teachings and apply them to your life, I will show you how to live an amazing life. Not a life without pain, not a life without difficulty. That's part of the equation. But in the midst of the difficulty and the struggle and the pain, I will show you how to, how to live a rich and satisfying life. That's the offer on the table. So when you see this E, when you put the E on, when you put the shirt on, you have to understand what it stands for. It stands for Jesus and us relentlessly pursuing people, me first, you first, who are languishing. That's what it stands for. And so if that's true, and which I think it is, we ought to be able to open the Bible and see Jesus relentlessly pursuing languishing people. And that's exactly what we find. We open up this book and, and we, see, we see him living out his mission. We see him pursuing people that, are, that are, have been written off by society, judged as, as sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, the worst of the worst, rejected. We see Jesus pursuing them. We see Jesus pursuing rich people. We see him pursuing poor people who are languishing. We see him pursuing Jewish people who are languishing. We see him pursuing non-Jewish people who are languishing. We see him pursuing men. We see him pursuing women. We see him pursuing anybody who is not experiencing life the way he designed it. I'm gonna give you one example, actually two. Can you handle two? Let's do it. Zacchaeus, one of my favorites. Luke chapter 9. Zacchaeus is a, a Jewish man. He's incredibly wealthy because what he would do is overcharge people for their taxes. He was a tax collector. In fact, he was the chief tax collector. And Jesus says, Luke says in the gospel, he was wealthy. He was rich. So he was working for the Roman government, which made him a traitor, okay? They hated him because he was one of theirs, but yet he was working for the Romans. He would overcharge on taxes, and he would pay the Roman government their share, and then he would pocket the difference, and he became really wealthy. And so he had all this money. He could buy whatever he wanted, but inside he was languishing, and he knew it. So one day he heard Jesus was walking through Jer Jericho. And so because he was a short guy, some of you know this, I can't really relate, he climbed up into a sycamore tree just to get a, a view, just to see over the heads, to see, because he had heard about this Jesus who, who loved the unlovable, who accepted those who were rejected. And so he, he thought, maybe, maybe there's some hope for me. He was languishing on the inside. See, 
We Americans, we think if we have more money and more stuff, we'll be okay, we'll be happy. No, 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 it's not true. We need life on the inside. And so he climbs up into a tree, and Jesus is walking by, and typical Jesus looks up, and he calls out his name. I didn't know his name. He says, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. Tonight, I'm coming to your house. Don't you love Jesus? I mean, this is scandalous, okay? You think tax collector, oh, what's the big deal? This is like modern day, this is like child molester. This is like, you know, terrorist. Hey, Mr. Terrorist, come down out of the tree. Tonight we're going to dine. Is that, that's how scandalous this was, okay? Tax collectors were put in that category. They were the worst of the worst. They were hated. Zacchaeus, the Bible says, hurries down the tree. He scurries down the tree, and he joyfully receives Jesus. And, of course, the critics, they've got something to say about this. Watch this. And the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Holy people don't mix with unholy people. Why is he eating with this this horrible person? Doesn't he understand that when you break bread with someone, that that means friendship, that means acceptance? And so Jesus has to clarify to all his critics. Listen to what he says in verse 10. He says, guys, don't you understand that the son of man, that's what he called himself, the son of man came to seek and save those who are, say it with me, lost. Those who are languishing, those who are out of place. See, to be lost is not, we're not talking about being spatially lost. Like God's not like wondering, where is he? Where is she? I don't know where they went. I can't find them. That's not, that's not the type of loss we're talking about. We're talking about being out of place, not in relationship with God, not in the kingdom of God. Jesus says to his critics, guys, you've misunderstood what I've, what I've come. I didn't come for, for people who, who think they got it all together. I came for those who know they're languishing. And that was Zacchaeus. Another quick story, really quick. Luke chapter 5. Jesus pursues a guy named Levi. Similar situation. He was a tax collector. They have this experience. Levi turns from his stealing and his thievery. Gives his life to Christ. Decides to throw a big party for Jesus. He's the honored guest. He invites all of his sinful friends. And they throw this banquet. And watch what Jesus' critics say again. Watch this. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the religious law, they complained bitterly. They muttered. They complained bitterly. Watch this. To his disciples, why does he eat and drink with such scum? Why would he go to the house of a child molester? Why would he go to a house of a terrorist? Why would he even talk to them? Jesus clarifies, watch. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Boy, that could be like the, 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 the verse that, that defines our church. Why does Emmanuel exist? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. We could, we could actually say that Emmanuel is a hospital for languishing people. That's what the E stands for. He says, I didn't come, watch this, I didn't come for those who think they got it all together, but I came for those who know they are sinners and need to repent. I came for those who know that they're missing out on life, Zoe, spiritual life. That's who I came for. And when those people turn to him, and we're going to celebrate some of those people turning to him today through baptism, when those people turn to him, they find rich and satisfying life in varying degrees according to the, where you're at on the journey, but they find it more and more and more every single day. Can you imagine with me for a second? Just, 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 just maybe close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes, but maybe just think about this with me for a second. Imagine a, a, a town or a city 
where most, if not all, of the people in that city turned to Jesus for spiritual life, rich and satisfying life. Imagine a city like that, where all of the individuals in the city were repenting of of living in their own kingdom, and they started to live in the kingdom of God, and their life was invaded by the agape love of Jesus, the, the agape love of God. Their life was permeated by God's spirit and God's love. It just invaded their life. Can you imagine a city filled with people like that? What would such a city look like? Like, what would change in that city? Would the divorce rate change? Yes or no? Would we have to lock our doors at night in such a city? You better lock up. Set the alarm. Why wouldn't we have to lock up and set the alarm anymore in such a city? Because the individuals in that city would never steal anything from you or try to hurt you. Would we have to increase the gun laws in such a city? Would we? Would the shootings go down? Would the, would the drug deals go, go away in the high schools? How about the bullying in such a city? The bullying in the high schools. It would transform such a city. If individuals in that city, in that town, in that little community decided to turn their life over to God, it would totally transform that little city. We, would, we wouldn't be so focused on politics anymore, would we? Because the politicians wouldn't be saving the day by passing new laws, would we? We wouldn't have to be so focused on getting the right people elected because, gosh, we need them to pass the right laws so we can have a good society. Nope, that's a top-down approach. This would be a bottom-up approach. This would be individual people like me and you being filled with the love of God. Romans 13.10 says this. And maybe I'm a dreamer. Maybe I'm a You can accuse me of that. That's fine. But I'm thinking about the dreams of Jesus, I believe. This is what Romans 13.10 says. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Can you imagine a community, a city, a town, a state, a country, where individual people just refuse to do harm to their neighbor? What would such a city look like? It would be a revolution, a renovation of the hearts, right? Disciples would be being made. That, can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when we put this E on, what we're saying is we're in on that agenda. Like, that's what we are all about. It's presenting the message of Jesus such that individual people's lives are totally transformed from the inside out, such that they are doing no harm to their neighbor, That's God's agenda in the world. In my office, there's a little plaque I have that I look at right in front of my desk. It says that God is overcoming evil in this world by transforming human hearts. That's the agenda that's on God's table. A lot of Americans, a lot of Christian Americans think, nope, God's agenda is to make make America great again. There's a popular phrase. And I'm I'm, I'm for great America. Listen, I I want our country to be great. I just have a different idea of how it becomes great. See, a nation or a city or a town becomes great when the individuals in that town are good people. You agree, yes or no? I am not a political person. You guys know that I'd be preaching about politics. I'm not a political person. I'm I'm on the Jesus train. And Jesus is in the business of transforming human hearts. We're about to celebrate some of those transformations right now. But before we do that, I just want to let you know one more thing that, that... 
here's, here's, here's what's going on. That's God's agenda. And, he, and he's inviting you to join him in that agenda. Watch this in your notes. Jesus says, look, I, I'm, now that I'm gone, guys, I'm about to leave. He, he, right before he ascended up to heaven, right, he died, he rose again, and he's about to ascend to heaven. And he says to his disciples, I, I, I'm going to invite you to take my cause, to, to take up the cause. Listen to what he says in John 20, verse 21. He says, guys, peace be unto you as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. To do what? I'm sending you out to bring abundant life to languishing people. Like, that's my agenda. That's my whole agenda. Join me on it. I have no other purpose. I have no other cause in this world. Now, when people do that, guess what happens? You know, orphans get adopted, and certain injustices go away, and people stop buying prostitutes, and a lot of other social things will get, be taken care of because love does no harm to his neighbor, right? So all that stuff starts to fix itself when individual people begin to give their life over to Jesus, and they're invaded by the love of God. Society fixes itself by good individual people, and that's why when Jesus said in the Great Commission, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go make disciples. This is the answer to all of of earth's problems. Go and make a disciple. Why? Because a disciple is a person who's invaded and permeated by the love of God. They don't do wrong to their neighbor. They only do what is good and right for their neighbor. Go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus could have started a political campaign. He would have been a great emperor, a great president. Do you agree? The best ever? Yes. Smartest man to ever live? Yes, right? He knew all about politics, but his solution wasn't a political solution. It was an individual solution. Here's what I want you guys to do. Go out and make disciples of all nations, the whole world baptizing them in the name of, Father, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't mean get people wet. <laughs> like, if he meant get people wet, what, what we could do is just get a hose out here and just spray all you guys down. Just, just get you all wet up in the balcony. Just, shh, you know. He wasn't talking about getting people wet. He was talking about immersing people in life with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God. And yes, we water baptize people as a symbol of that commitment to live with God. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. There's teachings in this book that if we would just follow it. Let's just start start with one of them. Love your neighbor as yourself. How about this one? Do unto others as you wish they would do unto you. Imagine a society that puts those two principles into practice. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And guess what? I will be with you until the very end of the age as you do this. That is what the E stands for. When you put this shirt on, you are saying, you are saying to yourself and you're saying to the community, I am, I have been relentlessly pursued, I am being transformed on the inside, and I am going to relentlessly pursue you and offer you the life that is the light of mankind. Is that, are you guys in on that or what? Like, that's it. Like, cancel your plans. I'm not saying quit your job. <laughs> Keep your job, okay? But, but cancel all your other plans because this is the plan for earth today. It's the only reason the earth is still in existence. I know that sounds crazy. Call me mad. Just read the Bible, though. That's what it says. Like, the only reason we are still here is because more people are being invited into the kingdom. And as soon as God decides that that's up, that that plan is over, he's going to come back. And he's going to transform things into a new heaven and a new earth. Are you in? The E stands for relentless pursuit. Two questions and we'll wrap up. Number one, who's languishing in your life? 
Who is languishing in your life? You gotta notice. You gotta look. There's people everywhere languishing. We gotta, we gotta quit with the selfie life. You know what I'm talking about? Do I look good? We gotta, listen, we gotta quit with that. Get over yourself. There are people all around you languishing, drowning in depression, anger, addiction. And God has called you first to live it out yourself, right? Be on the ship yourself, be safe yourself, and then throw a life preserver out to those who are languishing. That leads me to my second question. Who are you relentlessly pursuing? Are you relentlessly pursuing them? Who's languishing around you and are you relentlessly pursuing them? And if you're not willing to join on that, then, then I wouldn't put the t-shirt on, <laughs> okay? Like if you're not like, I don't care about people. Like when somebody cuts me off on the road, I flip them off. Like don't put the t-shirt on, okay? <laughs> the t-shirt says, uh, I care about people who are languishing and I'm gonna relentlessly pursue them. Even when they hurt me or they're not good people or whatever. Now, I want you to hear a story of a guy named Mike. He was relentlessly pursued by his girlfriend at that time. And he finally came to church and his life has been transformed. He was baptized last night. And so I'm going to show you, we're going to show you his baptism on video. And then after the video baptism, which happened last night, we're going to cut to some live baptisms here at, the, at this campus. And then I'm going to come back and wrap us up. So I, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my, my mom was always actively involved in small groups and in our church. And, uh, you know, we, it was always in our home. We were always going to church on Sunday, you know. And um, it, it, so it was definitely something I grew up with. But as I got older, circumstances deterred me from that, that upbringing. Uh, but it, it was always in the back of my mind. So in 2005, um, I had bought a new car. It was a Camaro, it was a 1998 uh, Camaro with T-tops, real fast car, you know. I had, I'd saved up for it and bought it. And my best friend at the time, we, we stopped by at my family's restaurant about eight o'clock on Saturday night. And uh, when we were leaving, he said, hey, Michael, do you care if I drive the car? It all happened really fast. But uh, we, we, we spun one way and then he overcorrected and, and it caused the car to turn facing actually the other direction, hit a foam pole. And so when it hit that foam pole, uh, it ejected him about 180 feet from that car. Um, and he was screaming, you know, he was in a lot of pain. And, uh, you know, he just didn't make it, so that was tough. After Kelly passed away, you know, I would, I, I, I kind of was there for a while. I was just, I was mad and I was angry. So I was doing stupid things, um, continuing to drive out of control fast. Um, I would go out and drink, party, stay out late, party a lot, um, blow, I, I had a terrible problem just blowing money. I got into a, a mound of debt. So yeah, it, uh, I responded in a, in a, a rebelish kind of way. You know, so. <laughs> uh, I met Christy at a party at a buddy's house. He was having a cookout, and uh, and I 
walked in the door and there was Christy and her big blue eyes and I thought, okay, you know, I'm glad I came, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'll meet this girl and, and, you know, we just, we, we kind of unexpectedly just kind of met at a, at a friend's house and, and we, we, we dated for a while. Um, and then we, we, once we started getting accustomed to dating and knowing each other, then that's when she started kind of tugging on me to, to go to church. And I'm gonna mind you, I said no for a long time, you know, probably almost a year. And I finally said, all right, I'm tired of you asking. <laughs> but we'll go. She was, she was relentlessly pursuing me. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So I finally broke down and came. You know, when I, when I accepted Christ and, and I, I started processing the thought of accepting Christ, it was exciting. And it was hope for me. I thought there's hope that I can make my life better. And there's hope that I can give my problems to God and hopefully he'll fix them for me um, and you know that old saying is it's probably gonna get worse before it gets better um, that couldn't be more true I mean I accepted God and I was excited but I personally feel like there were some tests that God wanted me to go through you know looking at my priorities and what was important to me prior to Christ and after finding Christ you know, things that are important to me now, I would have never imagined 10 years ago that were would be important to me. And, and now I, I really do try as hard as I can. I'm not successful every time, but I try as hard as I can to look at, you know, how would, how would God handle this? What would He want me to do in any situation, whether it's financially, relationally, spiritually? Uh, I feel like that, you know, my priorities are completely different from where they were before Christ. So, um, I decided to get baptized because I have always had a passion of giving to people, helping people. I've always loved to just give what I can, when I can. And I feel like that if I let people know, you know, that I'm a true believer in Christ and I, I want to live in Christ's way, uh, and, and I feel like if I get baptized, I can show people that, you know, it is possible to come from a really dark place a really bad time in your life and turn that around and and show people that God can can work in your life to make changes and then once he does that then you can be that person to help someone else out you know there's there's somebody out there who who's thinking about getting baptized or who's thinking about coming to Christ today and they may have just needed to see that one person you know who's been through been through hell and back and now they're now they're here getting baptized and there is hope, you know, and anybody can, <laughs> trust me, if anyone can get baptized, if I can do it, anyone can, you know. So uh, just hopefully giving hope to some people that um, you can change, you can live your life for God, and, and, and it's, it's definitely something you can easily do. Would you be seated just for one more moment, please? Maybe, maybe today, maybe today you're watching online, you're here physically, Maybe today you realize, man, I'm languishing. Languishing in anger, languishing in without hope, discouragement, languishing in lust, fear, worry, languishing in guilt and shame, a sense of rejection, not knowing who you are, lost. Here's what Christ would say to you today. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come for languishing people. I've come for you. I've come to show you what true life could look like if you should trust me. 
if you should put your confidence in me, if you should put your faith in me and let me and allow me to show you what real life looks like, you will find a rich and satisfying life that goes on for eternity, forever, but it starts right now. Jesus would say to you, here's what I've done. I've, I've given my life for you. I stretched out my arms and allowed myself to be nailed to a cross to make a way for you to have this life, to remove all that separated you and me, the sin, the guilt, all that stuff, so that you could experience eternal life and abundant life. Would you trust me? Would you come to me? Would you put your faith in me? Now the choice is yours, it's available. I did it when I was about 17 years old. Many others have done it in the room today and many have done it watching online. Maybe today is your day. Michael, the guy you just heard his video, he told me about his day. He was sitting in the balcony up here to my left. He said, one day I came in, Christy invited me. He's kind of sitting there like this. You know, some of you do it. And he said, I'm just sitting up in the balcony. All of a sudden you started talking about you know, coming to Christ and putting my faith in Christ and having a new life. And I sat up and all of a sudden you started to say this prayer and I found myself saying the prayer and I put my trust in Christ. Maybe that's you today. I'm gonna say a quick prayer. You can take these words, make them your own and put your trust in Christ today and start a new journey with him towards a rich and satisfying life. No more languishing. Would you pray with me? in the sincerest way you know how to take these words and make them your own. Jesus, today I come. I'm tired, thirsty, languishing. I want a new life. I want a change. I want something different. So I come to you today and I put my trust in you put my confidence in you. I believe you made a way for me to have eternal life and abundant life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again, conquering the penalty of sin, removing the guilt and the shame. I trust you today. Fill my life, invade my heart, fill me with your love, your joy, and your peace. Give me the courage to take up your word and begin to, to learn your teachings and to follow, follow you with all my ways. I want real, lasting, abundant life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give God a hand for what he's doing, church? Amen. If you prayed that simple prayer right now, like many others have, we want to encourage you on your way out. There's tables back here to my left and to my right. There's folks back there. There's some wonderful folks back there that will put a one-year New Testament in your hand as a free gift. Here's why we do that, because we believe that as you take God's word into your mind and heart, you are nourished. God begins to show you his ways. He begins to show you what needs to change in your life. He begins to change the way you think. And so we want you to have one of those on your way out. If you prayed to receive Christ today and you're watching online, there's a little button there you can click that says, I accepted Christ. If you click that, put your address in there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church. You excited about what he's doing? Come on, come on, give him praise. Come on, guys. This is awesome. We could literally, 
We could literally change our towns and our cities and then our state and then our country with the message of Jesus. I believe it with all my heart. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for changing Michael's life. Thank you for using Christy to relentlessly pursue him, to beg him, to bother him, to get him to come and hear this message. I pray that you continue to transform him, transform their marriage, God. God, I pray that you make them great parents, great employees, great workers, God, that you would just transform their life and us as well, God, as we give our lives over to you, make us disciples. Give us the courage to follow your teachings. Give us the courage to live with you every single day and put our trust and hope in you. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week. You can stay and sing with us if you want, or you can be dismissed. God bless.